0: This is talking back. I'm your host Dr. Paula Sperry. For the next half hour, I invite you to join me as we explore health issues in the news and learn from those involved in keeping our community healthy. Our goal is not to diagnose or to suggest treatment, but to celebrate your body's innate potential to heal itself. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Paula Sperry. Thank you for tuning in to Talking Back. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Maureen Keen-Botino. She is an RN and We're going to talk about grieving today because it is one of those emotions that does come up for most people at some point in their life. We all know how to be happy, but do we all know how to grieve? And if we are grieving, what to do about it? Welcome to Talking Back, Maureen. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here this morning. You know, we're in our 30th year, so we've got a lot of listeners out there who like to uh, find out things about living and life that go on that. We maybe need a little bit more support absolutely absolutely so important and you're also licensed in two places massachusetts and connecticut yes you live here
1: on the cape i do i live in brewster now i have a private practice in brewster Um, i grew up in massachusetts moved to connecticut raised my children there and worked as a nurse there for many years i knew that i wanted to eventually come back to massachusetts And so here I am. Yeah. What have you done in the nursing field up till now? Um, Cardiology, emergency room, intensive care. I've done home care. I've done recovery room, PACU, post-surgery. And then the last clinical position I had was uh, hospice home care. Oh, wow. And that is what really got me on the trajectory To becoming a grief counselor. From early on in my career, I was always drawn toward and connecting with the patients. Mm -hmm. So I just continued with it, continued Mm -hmm. with it and brought it to every single piece of nursing that I did, every specialty field of nursing that I did. And then, obviously, truly blossomed um, in the ability to get deeper and deeper connections when I started doing hospice home care. Connections are important. Communication is
0: important. And grief is an emotion that we don't really aspire to have. Like, I just want to be happy. People don't say, I just want to grieve. Right. But
1: it happens anyway. Absolutely no one can avoid it. Truly in this lifetime we all will experience grief in some form. does not only have to be related to the death of a person, death of a pet. There are many non-death events that carry profound grief Mm. with them. How many types of grieving are there
0: age-wise too? I mean I'm sure Younger kids and teenagers going through the hormonal changes, and you know, young adults just getting started in their careers and things like that, have different types of grief. I would imagine
1: there are many different grief responses. I think I would explain it in that way. Grief is grief, grief has so many different faces mm. and phases. And honestly, grief can and usually is a lifelong journey, a lifelong lesson, a lifelong journey. Little kids lose the goldfish first, or the hamster, or- Their best friend. Their best friend, yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely, absolutely. So with each developmental stage in life, there will be different responses to death and or loss. So as a grief counselor, which is what you do,
0: what are the potential outcomes? What are you looking for? What are you trying to do with clients who are grieving? And why would a grieving client come to
1: speak with you? My primary goal with every client that I speak with is to, first of all, envelop them in a trusting, safe space Mm. to be able to express Whatever they want or need to express, which they may not think is grief, but it is. Mm -hmm. And then the ultimate goal is to work with them. I'm not fixing anything. I'm not helping. I don't like to say that word. Is it more like hand holding? It's being in the passenger seat. Oh, that's 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 the way I see it. But ultimately, to Have them be able to transmute the excruciating pain Mm -hmm. of the grief experience to more peaceful experience. Acceptance, perhaps? Hopefully that can occur. It may or may not sometimes, but peace can be different than acceptance. Peace. So that for me is the ultimate goal to to have the person be able to come to a place of peace and carry their grief in a different way as they move forward. Moving forward, life. that's important. Right. That seems to be the goal with all of that. Right. Okay. Right. No matter how long it takes. Very, very, very important which clients need to hear, groups, our community, our world needs to hear. Mm-hmm. Grief is non-linear. Even for men? No, oh. <laughs> honestly, I did a presentation a while ago. You know, men think in
0: lines and women think in circles. No, you know.
1: <laughs> there was one man there. He was so excited, you know, and he was sharing a lot. It was fabulous. Oh, it was fabulous. Yeah. But, yes. So you do talks in the community. I know that you've been to the Brewster Ladies Library, was yes. it? Yes. Yes. People showed up. The courage that it takes for someone to be willing to come out in public when they are in their grief process, Mm -hmm. especially in the most painful, maybe not acute grief, but pain, the pain, the pain, the isolation, the struggle, to come out and sit in a room with potentially strangers Mm -hmm. and actually participate. I have such admiration for that. I presented very, in a way, informational mm-hmm. presentation. I called it a conversation mm. to bring up the conversation of grief, which is so desperately needed, and review for people, if they want, if they need, what grief can be, what grief may be. I don't like to say what grief is exclusively Mm, right it may be different for everybody it's so different potentially for everyone Mm. and then also what grief really isn't huh so what isn't grief what (laughs) that's i've never even thought of that before. oh that's easy because it's such a shorter list (laughs) you know grief is not a problem so many people are meant to feel as though what is the problem I mean, yes, your grandmother died, but she was 90. She had a long life. You know what? Yeah. You know, aren't you over it yet? Mm. You know, that infliction of guilt and isolate, leaning to more isolation. Oh, I better not talk about it. I can't talk right. about it. Right. You oh, know? Yeah. That would so, push it back. Yes, absolutely. And quiet your voice. Yes. Which is what I don't
0: want. Hey, if you're just tuning in, this is Talking Back. Today, I'm with Maureen Keen-Bottino, Botino, is an RN, and she's done many things as a nurse. And once she got involved with hospice care, she found her place in being a grief counselor, and we're lucky to have her here on Cape Cod. She lives in Brewster. You're tuned in to WOMR at 92.1 or 91.3 FM here on Cape Cod. Perhaps you're podcasting this after the show. We're approaching the concept of grief today here on talking back and my name is Dr. Paula Sperry. Thank you so much for joining us today. You do individual sessions which, you know, most people understand. They go to therapists and you can sit with someone like yourself and expound upon your grieving and try to put it in place for yourself.
1: Company employee sessions. I actually just came from a small company recently and An employee had died imagine you have to go into the same place every day where this person was and then suddenly they're they're not and that's just one piece of it someone that was there every day suddenly no longer is each employee had their own relationship with the person that died Mm -hmm. so each individual is experiencing things maybe similar, but not exactly as their coworker, their office mate. So when the company president decided he wanted to get somebody in there as soon as possible. That's smart. How is like you going into a place like that different than
0: all of the employees that are there sort of working it out amongst themselves
1: together? My role was to say things similar to what we're saying today. What your experiences may be, what they may not be. You know, don't judge yourself if you're not exhibiting an expected Mm -hmm. expression of grief. Yeah. Don't judge yourself if you're not grieving the way your office mate is. We are all individual and we all have our own grief experiences. I approach it from about expressions of grief about expected, potentially unexpected, expressions of grief, Mm -hmm. to in a way hopefully validate possibly what they're going through, and also to educate what to expect, to unfortunately expect that others may react in the ways others may react to them, Right, and to help people to try to be as prepared, especially in self-care, non-judgment, non-linear, self-support, and then support for your co-workers. Perfect.
0: You have a certification in a word that I don't know, and it's called thanatology. (laughs) (laughs) What is
1: thanatology? Thanatology is basically everything educationally and experientially, I'm going to say, related to the field of death.
0: That's funny that I've not heard that yet, seeing as how I've interviewed people from the Lily House, uh, sharing kindness, and now you. Uh, so thank you for bringing that word into my vocabulary. You're welcome. I love that word, actually. You know,
1: <laughs> It's a good one. And you also facilitate loss of child support groups. Yes. Again, it's back to the admiration for the courage. Courage of parents who come out of their homes get out of bed Mm. and seek support even though it sounds like of course you're going to seek support Mm -hmm. but when you're in such a devastating excruciating place unimaginable lot losing a child i can't even fathom right it's wonderful and i use that word very carefully to have parents come together and they find a way to support each other. My absolute favorite goal and accomplishment is when I barely say a word, when my co-facilitator and I barely say a word, because the parents are able to dance and work it out. What about uh, siblings of children who have passed? Sometimes siblings can get lost in the shuffle of The grief experience of the family. Mm -hmm. Do they feel like, my parents are so
0: caring about this person who died, they're kind of putting me on the back shelf,
1: almost like middle child syndrome. Guilt, anger, loneliness, isolation, they themselves are at risk Mm. for self-harm. The gamut, anyone who has experienced a death can have all different kinds of experiences, including the sibling, and paramount that the siblings get attention in terms of offering, not forcing, never going to work, but offering and checking in as to would they like to have their own separate counseling or some form of group support.
0: Now, there's been a lot of acting out that's the only way i could think of this in society i don't know if it's the gun but there's a lot of mass shootings or mass bombings like in the marathon in boston uh, one guy cut up a bunch of people and killed a couple with a knife i mean when people experience that large of a traumatic event how does grief wrap itself inside
1: that experience for them Community grief, absolutely. Part of it is individuals will, within that community, experience their own grief based on their own life experiences. But there can become a fear factor. How did this happen in our community? And who are our neighbors now? And is this going to happen again? And how did we not know that? And how do we keep this from happening ever again? There are so many layers that really do need to be addressed. Top of the list, education. How can we stabilize this community at a basic level right now? Mm -hmm. And education and support ongoing. Mm -hmm. Ongoing has to, has to be. My mind's
0: going to the um, mass shooting at top Supermarket in Buffalo, New York, because some guy from Binghamton, really far away, decided that he hated black people, and so didn't want to go to New York City, found the next largest black community was in Buffalo, New York, East Buffalo, and uh, just decided to walk into a supermarket and start shooting. I'm from Buffalo, and it's not the sort of thing that happens in Buffalo, New York. And that type of racism, I don't believe happens as an ongoing fear in Buffalo, New York. So, so many people were taken off guard, both white, black, in the community itself, outside the community. I'm on Cape Cod freaking out because of it, having just been there two weeks prior. It's just amazing, you know, how do people deal with that? So
1: seemingly random, so violent, it rocks a community individuals first of all families Mm -hmm. and then the community it rocks you to your core Mm -hmm. again fear can set in so it's critical to get support as soon as possible right to help individuals families neighborhoods the entire community to heal It's going to take a while, too. I guess time is a factor. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I mean, there were race riots back in the 60s. I remember them. But since then, I mean, I've been back and forth, and things have just been so... It's like almost a model community Mm. for people getting along, you know? And what a shame.
1: What a shame to have it rocked like that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Today on Talking Back, I'm speaking with Maureen Keen-Botino, and... She practices in two places, lucky her, Cape Cod and Connecticut. She is an RN who is specializing in grief counseling. Now, one of the things that I think on Cape Cod, because there's so many of us older people who are retired, we have pets. Our dogs pass on, our kitties pass on, and sometimes they're our best friends, our you know, sole confidants, and the the things in our lives that we share love with more than anyone or anything.
1: Do you do much work with grief around loss of a pet? Absolutely, absolutely. It's so critical. I have uh, approached and given a proposal to a local uh, veterinary hospital mm. because it's so necessary. Pet loss is huge, as you already touched upon. For many people, the pets are their children companions you know may have grown up with their children have been such a staple item in the family be it a family of 1 or a family of 10 doesn't mm-hmm. matter i'm asking for the crazy cat lady okay <laughs> that's the family of 10 yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. um i'm a dog person myself mm-hmm. the love and adoration of that creature Mm -hmm. literally unconditional. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's a presence. You may not even be looking at them all the time, but it's that presence that you know you have. Talk about comforting and a source of joy. Right. I think pet loss is under-acknowledged, to put it lightly. And I think it's imperative both For the owners of the pets and for the veterinary clinics, hospitals, offices, staff at those places. Oh my gosh, that is so true. Yeah, because I remember when we had to put
0: the last animal down, the person who was doing it said it was one of the most beautiful deaths she's witnessed in a long time. The dog just like went to sleep. I had a big thunder shirt hug on him. It was a lab and I was holding him real tight and his other person was in front telling him he was a good boy mm. and he just closed his eyes
1: and went away honestly
0: yeah we were upset of course but the person who had to put him down was also we had to stop for a while and let her talk out her whole experience with him and her grief around his loss <laughs> as well as our
1: very own so which that's, good for you yeah. because i don't think that happens mm. and and i'm not in any way judging pet owners no of course but that's their job yeah right imagine. They know they are ending a life. Right. And while it is humane and hopefully beautiful and gentle and a loving sacred moment, it's still the facts are the facts. Right, right. So different than hospice, which can be and hopefully for everyone is beautiful, Uh huh. we are not actively ending one's life. That's right. So you really have to keep that in mind for that whole field of veterinary medicine. Oh, I know more than one veterinarian who's gotten out of the field or never went into it
0: in the first place because they realized that that's what part a big part of their job
1: was going to be. I'm not a big statistical person and percentage person, mm-hmm. but I will tell you that I did come upon the stat that the rate of suicide, death by suicide, in the veterinary field is extraordinarily higher hmm. than any other field of medicine. Really? But I do just want to get back to the pet owners also. They can experience what is called a disenfranchised grief, hmm. which is generally a grief that isn't acknowledged, prioritized by society. So sometimes pet owners run the risk of isolation because they don't have the outlet for their profound grief of their pets like others may have outlets for their profound grief of a person. Yeah. So pet loss, grief, therapy, and counseling is so important. Well, I've heard that the loss of a pet is just
0: as bad, if not harder, on People than the loss of even a relative or another human in their life.
1: Absolutely. People freely say that. Pet owners freely say that. I think it may get back to the notion of that adoration and unconditional love. Yes. Because while we love, we have relationships with people, they can be messy. Yeah, that dynamic tension isn't
0: there with the animal.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. So that makes sense that it would amount to such a profound loss because it's such a profound, intimate, and special relationship. Now, that brings me to another question I wanted to ask you today,
0: uh, Maureen. Replacing things, like, you know, you lose something, you can replace it with something else, perhaps. As a concept within grief therapy, like if I lose a pet, for example, one, somebody told me one time, when you lose a dog, It leaves a big hole in your heart. And what you got to do is you got to go out and get another dog so that that fills up the hole. And if you wind up dying with a completely rebuilt dog heart, you go immediately to heaven. Hmm. But some people will say, oh, no, that's it. That's it for me. No more dogs. That's it. I can't stand it. I can't deal with this. There are obviously two completely different ways to look at loss. Right and two completely different ways
1: to handle the grief. Right. What do you think about both of those approaches? I don't believe you can ever replace, nor should you. Right. You had this amazing relationship for how many years, or how many months, unfortunately, if that's the case, with this precious creature. Mm -hmm. Why would you want to replace that? Why would you want to replace them? You can add another, but I don't think you ever replace. I wonder if those who are saying, get another dog immediately, if that in a way may be kind of running away from their grief or pushing it away, avoiding it. Yeah, like it might build up in the background if you keep just replacing pets, replacing pets rather than going through the full process. Right. Okay. which possibly could manifest in the way you have a grief response toward a person dying mm-hmm. or any other, you know, non-death loss. Yeah, It really does make sense that, and I'm going to get very cliche here, but, you know, <laughs> what you feel you can heal, mm-hmm. right? What you run away from usually Wrong follows you. you. <laughs> everyone's individual. And if that, I'm not going to say heals them, But if that is their way of processing their grief, then that's to be honored. I guess when you see grief, it's just the tip of an iceberg. Absolutely. That is one of my favorite visuals that I think of when dealing with a client and also that I do like to bring to presentations. I saw it first when I was doing a workshop. One of the presenters had it. As her backdrop, and mm-hmm. I just thought it was brilliant mm-hmm. working with grief. It literally is expected grief responses, surface value, what you see above the water, the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. But for me, and I do think it's important for people themselves to be aware of and give themselves permission to experience all the things they can't see. And that piece of the iceberg that is huge and potentially nasty and dark and messy Mm -hmm. that's underneath the surface. And that is generally the expressions of grief that come after the acute death event or the acute period after a death event. Mm -hmm. Very so important. So So that's the part you work with. That's the part that I work with. Well,
0: that's a a great place to leave it uh, with this conversation about grief today with Maureen Keen-Bottino, Botino, is a grief counselor, a nurse practicing as a grief counselor, here on beautiful Cape Cod. And when life gets confused by things happening out of your control, such as the loss of an individual, a job, a pet, Grief is a natural feeling that we have, and as Maureen has outlined today, it's really important that we face it and we work with it and we come to peace on the other side of our grieving process. If you would like to talk to Maureen about grief, and uh, I know that she is a presenter, you can have her at your library or your functions uh, to come and speak about grief you can do that. And Maureen, how would a person get a hold of you? What are some great ways to connect with you?
1: I have a website, mylossmygrief.net. My phone number is 774-487-1440. My email is k b o at gmail.com.
0: Without the downside of our lives and things that we have to deal with, such as grief and
1: loss, how can we experience the happiness? Exactly. And, and the goal for all grief work is to be able to get back to a new chapter in your life that does have happiness and joy. And included in that new chapter of your life, a new connection, a different connection with the one you lost. You never forget them. Your life will never be the same. You can get to a place of peace. Beautifully put. Thank you for joining me today, Maureen. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So appreciative. Thank you for tuning
0: in to Talking Back. Talking Back is heard on WOMR radio at 92.1 FM at this time each week. If you have news or comments to share or you would like to be a guest on Talking Back, Write, call, or email this station, care of Dr. Paula Sperry, WOMR-FM Radio, Post Office Box 975, Provincetown, Massachusetts, 02657. Or you can give us a call. We're at 508-487-2619 or 1-800-921-9667. We're also at www.womr. .org online. Tune in next week. And until we meet again, please remember to love your body.